Hey everyone, and welcome to the Be More with Ngomu podcast show. We're thrilled you're here. Uh, you can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube, and you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, in this podcast series, we'll connect you with coaches who make a positive difference in the lives of the people they serve through their practice and through the Ngomu app. And we'll talk about topics that help you, your team, and your family um, all the time. Here, we'll bring in uh, coaches and individuals who will share their experiences and takeaways with you that you can implement immediately to improve your life and the lives of the people around you today. My name is Al Wynant, I'm your co-host, and with me today is Joyce Joya, my co-host, CEO of the Herman Group of Companies and author of the forthcoming book, Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit Into the Future. Joyce, it is so good to see you again. Good to see you as well, Al. Everything good in your neck of the woods? It's great. Thank you very much for asking. And it's not 90 degrees in Austin today, so it's a great day. And I share that lovely weather with you. We only have about 70 something some here today right now in Denver, so it makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So in today's episode, we'll be speaking with Bonnie Marcus and Roby Newman about conquering age and gender bias. Uh, Bonnie Marcus is one of our Ngomo coaches who will be coaching on the subject. And Romy Newman is the founder of Fairy God Boss, a platform dedicated to helping women support women. And Joyce will speak with her in the second half of the podcast. So Joyce, I will see you then. Look forward to it. Thanks, Al. Bye. See you in a bit. See you in a bit. So uh, I'd like to introduce you to Bonnie Marcus, our guest, Bonnie Marcus. She, um, I mean, we're very, we're very happy and we're very lucky to have her here, but also as an Ngoma coach, um, Bonnie is an award-winning entrepreneur. She's a Forbes contributing writer and executive coach. She assists professional women to successfully navigate the workplace, position, and promote themselves to advance their career. So, Bonnie, welcome to the Be More Within Go Move podcast. Thanks, Al. I'm excited to be here today and also to be a part of the Ngomu community. We're so glad you're here and part of our community. So let's let's dive into our exciting conversation here. So in today's podcast, we're talking about age and gender bias. So for purpose of our conversation today, can you define what that really means? Well, we're really talking about the intersection of gender bias and ageism. And uh, in particular, I, you know, I look at how that affects women and their career trajectories throughout their entire career. Um, we start our careers at a deficit. We make 82 cents to the dollar of our male colleagues. And um, we usually enter the, the workforce with considerable debt, right? And so it takes much more of our salary to really pay off that debt. I mean, research shows that um, on average, young adults, it takes 22 years for them to pay off their student loan debt. Mm -hmm. So women entering the workforce really, um, you know, suffer because we aren't paid as much. It, it adds up to over $500,000 over the course of our career. But also at the beginning of our, of our career, we are subjected to ageism. You know, you're, you look too young, you don't have credibility, you're too young to get promoted. And so women are kind of, very young women are 
kind of pushed aside um, in favor of, say, um, you know, middle midlife women and and perhaps older women. Then over then as they enter the childbearing years, if they choose to be a mother, they face the motherhood penalty, which um, their income then suffers about 75 percent as, you know, if they opt out and they try to come back in, they offer um, they usually have uh, a pay cut to do so. Um, and then as we're coming out of the motherhood years, uh, we start to show visible signs of aging and research shows that women 40, 50 plus, as we start to show signs of aging, face the double whammy of uh, gender and ageism again, where we're viewed as less relevant, less competent. Um, we're made to feel invisible or often marginalized, sometimes even pushed out in favor of younger colleagues. So I, I think the point I want to make is the intersection of both really dramatically affects women's career trajectories as well as their financial security. So I understand, so I understand that, that you're doing, you're doing research, research on this. So what kind of trends so what kind of do you see emerging? Well, you know, I want to stress that it's it's still early. So far, I have about 400 responses. Um, and those responses show that about 40% of the women report that ageism is prevalent in their workplace. And most of them are saying that they work for large public companies. Um, and about 41% are saying that it is not at all included in DEI initiatives. And that's not surprising to me because in doing research for my book, Not Done Yet, I found that it's completely under the radar that uh, companies aren't addressing it. But what's really interesting, Al, is I asked the women in this, in this survey if they have experienced gendered ageism and they brought it up to their manager, how satisfied were they with the results? And almost 60% said very dissatisfied. And then I said, well, how's, if you brought it up to HR, how satisfied were you? And that was a whopping like 69%. So again, dissatisfied. So again, the research isn't done yet, but um, it really validates the fact that this is a, um, an important topic that needs to be addressed in, in the workplace. And um, help me understand a little bit, the, and, and you really kind of addressed it maybe already in the first in our first question, but what's really the impact on an individual? The impact on an individual um, is definitely financial. Um, because it often leads to a lack of promotions and career opportunities throughout one's, one's career. Um, it gets to be probably more prevalent as women show signs of aging as they hit 50 or so. But, you know, my whole emphasis is we need to be vigilant and we need to be proactive and understand the reality of the workplace that this is this is there and it's certainly coming and that anything you can do to 
um, really own your value and position yourself for success, you need to do before before it's too late. <laughs> so how does it really looking looking at the other side, looking at it from the company organization, the organization perspective, perspective? And looks like we're having some echo here today for some reason. Um, but how does it impact um, the actual company if they if they are not doing this right? Well, research by AARP shows that companies that don't have age inclu- inclusive workplaces um, aren't as innovative, aren't as creative, aren't as productive, and it also shows a loss of potential revenue. And I'd probably add to that um, less employee uh, satisfaction and probably. Um, a decrease in in retention. So big big impact really. But as an individual, if if you're going through this, what can you do? What role can you play in addressing this problem? Well, I think the first important step is to understand that it exists and the reality. Um, You know, ageism, and in particular gendered ageism, is so prevalent in our society, it's so ingrained in our society that we don't even realize the bias that we hold. And that bias often can hold, you know, hold us back. So let me give you an example. You know, if you believe that you're too old to get promoted, or if you believe that you're too old to ask for a raise or you can't compete, then chances are you're not gonna do the things that you need to do to really position yourself well and get ahead. So Al, it ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is true, I think. The first step is understanding how you may be holding yourself back by some of these limiting beliefs. And then being vigilant and do the kinds of things that you should be doing your whole career, like, um, you know, cultivating your growth mindset, uh, keeping up on your skills, not only your, you know, what's currently um, important, but what are some future trends? Research your industry, what's coming down the pike? What can you learn and be proactive about taking some training on so that you're ahead of the game? And and then of course you're positioning yourself as more of a leader, you know, in the workplace when you're doing something like that. Um, really advocating for yourself, knowing your value, um, and that helps you to build influence across the organization because you know how you can help your team, your organization reach their objectives. Kind of a follow-up question, a surprise question, Bonnie, if you don't mind. Um, with how work has changed sort of in the last year and people are not necessarily as visible. And so when you're in an office setting, you can you, know, you can portray, you can talk, you can share your talents and so on. So, but if we step out of that and everybody's working in their own, in their own home offices, how can people really do these things um, in a non-traditional setting, so to speak? Do you have any advice on that? I do. And um Increasingly, I think we're going to see hybrid workplaces uh, where if women choose to work remotely, uh, that may put them at a disadvantage 
because they're not at the water cooler, so to speak. Um, and so we really need to be more strategic about creating visibility and maintaining and nurturing relationships. Um, if you're just interacting on Zoom meetings, uh, I always say it's a great um, it's a great tip to take notes during that meeting. And what are some points that people are bringing up? And then reach out after to those people and say, you know, uh, I really love that idea. Can we talk more about it afterward, one-on-one? -on -one? Or here's an article that you may want to read on that topic that I found um, that may be of interest to you. But nurturing these relationships, if you're in a hybrid situation, I would suggest that you plan a day when you do come into the office and set up some of these one-on-one -on -one meetings so that you can continue to be visible. And, um, you know, in my book, I talk about creating a visibility plan. And that works for if you're, you know, in the workplace or not. What are some ways that you can be visible with people who have influence? And just write out a list of what that might look like in your workplace. So on the other hand, so as an employer, as an organization uh, going to this, what can what can a company do? What can an HR department do to help overcome that and manage that? And what's the positive impact for the companies on uh, when they address this? Well, the positive impact is that their teams do better. As I said before, they're probably more more diverse. Uh, teams are more innovative, more creative, um, more productive. Uh, the other advantage is that. Um, intergenerational teams learn from each other. It's a win-win for the company as well as the individual. So one thing the company can do is to facilitate intergenerational networking, perhaps mentoring. I think companies need to really take a look, especially leadership, at their own bias in this area, assess their policies and workplace practices uh, around uh, hiring, compensation, bonuses, uh, to see if there are, in fact, some some age, ageist uh, assumptions that are happening there. And then also to highlight some of the older women, perhaps. And uh, maybe it's in a newsletter or some something that comes out quarterly to show what the um, acknowledgement, you know, just to acknowledge some of the results and accomplishments that these women have, just so there's more visibility and respect. And in, in closing, what are, what are your top three tips for both the individual and the employer to, to implement so we can overcome this bias here? Well, uh, yeah, so I would say for the individual, know your value know your value proposition, how your work leads to positive business outcomes. That helps you to advocate for yourself and build influence. Um, I would also say, as I said before, make sure you're up to date on all your skills. Um, be proactive and see what, um, what skills are coming down the pike that you can learn and perhaps uh, mentor others on. Um, and Let's see, something that I didn't mention before is creating um, a visibility plan. Mm. 
And what does that look like in your um, in your company? Can you volunteer for special projects? Can you help run company events? Um, can you, for instance, is there a leadership, women's leadership um, uh, group that perhaps you can get involved in? They're usually executive sponsors on those kinds. So you get visibility there. But definitely be strategic. From a company's perspective, um, I would say it's important to, to assess your policies, to see where ageism and especially gendered ageism may be coming in, um, to look at your own bias in particular for the leadership, uh, to include gendered ageism in DEI initiatives. And as I stressed before, I think facilitating intergenerational networking and mentoring is definitely a win-win for the company and the individuals. Thank you, Bonnie. And you just mentioned your book uh, a little bit ago. So tell us about that a little bit and where people can get it. Uh, yeah, the book is not done yet. How women over 50 regain their confidence and claim workplace power. And it's available at all book outlets. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks, Bonnie, for sharing your expertise and your wisdom with us. I appreciate you being here today. And if you've just joined us, uh, you're watching the Be More Within Gomu podcast with Bonnie Marcus and Gilmo Coach and uh, Romy Newman, who will be joining us shortly of Fairy Godboss about conquering gender and age bias. So let's take a quick break before we chat with our next guest. Be more determined. Be more with Ngomu. Se más empoderada con Ngomu. Be more extraordinary. Be more colorful. Be more thoughtful. Be more in the moment. Be more confident and self-assured. Be more. I'm being more mindful. And this is how. Be more with Ngomu. Be more mindful with Ngomu. Be more with Ngomu. Be more confident with Ngomu. Now is your time to be more. With access to more than 80 coaches, you can Be more with Ngomu! Be more with Ngomu. Welcome back to the Be More Within Gomu podcast. Now let's welcome Joyce Joya and our guest, Romy Newman. Romy Newman, sorry about that, for the next part of our conversation. Hello, Romy. Hi, welcome. Joyce. Uh, let me talk a little bit about who you are. Let's tell everybody who you are. So Romy Newman is the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss. Okay. That's a business with a mission to improve the workplace for all women everywhere. She's a frequent speaker and contributor to Fortune, the Huffington Post, and Inc. Magazine. Romy lives to bring higher productivity to all kinds of organizations by making the workplace work better for women. She's the proud mother of two, wife to a su very supportive husband, a devoted yogi, and I share this with her, a crossword puzzle lover. <laughs> Welcome, Romy. We're very happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I I'd like to start by giving you an opportunity to 
give us your comments on Bonnie's thoughts. I was just sitting there spellbound because it made so much sense to me what Bonnie was saying. So yeah. give us your thoughts. Well, I, I love this idea about knowing your value and advocating for yourself. And it's actually something I spend a lot of time talking about. Um, it's funny because I moved into a sales role when I was 35. So I had not previously been in sales in my career. And it makes me think differently about everything. Um, but I think it's both, it's all about knowing, a lot of it's knowing your value and kind of getting clear on what your value is. And then a lot of it is how you communicate it and being unabashed and brave and also um, kind of listener oriented in how you communicate it. And I, I think that Unfortunately, that's where I think I see a lot of women be tentative or nervous mm. about. Um, so even if you know your value, can you help communicate your value to someone who's potentially hiring you or giving you a promotion? Right. So you and I had had chatted briefly about the fact that many women don't know how to apply their skill sets to the current job market. And they have exactly. all these talents and abilities and they don't know how to, again, communicate them so that the, the hiring managers will understand how they apply. So talk a little bit about that, will you? Yeah. So there's a few things. I mean, first of all, it's very well documented. There's this confidence gap, right? And men will apply to a job when they meet 50 or 60% of the criteria. And women apply only if they meet 100% of the criteria because in many ways, we're so afraid there's going to be something that's required of us that we aren't able to do instead of realizing we could probably just figure it out. And I think also, and I, I take full kind of responsibility for this in my own part, I think often tentative job applicants don't realize the degree to which these job descriptions are like laundry lists for the perfect candidate. And the reality is it's like, most hiring managers are not looking for someone who meets 100% because there are not that many people like that out there. You're looking for someone who meets 50 to 60% and that you can train up from there, right? Um, so I think, number one, there's this confidence gap and this, this hesitance to apply when there's a line on the job description that's not matching us perfectly. Um, but then I also think that separately, there's, there's generally uh, this imposter syndrome. And I um I had the wonderful opportunity to work with a few different women through a Fairy God Boss Job Seeker Boot Camp. These women had been um, impacted by COVID. They lost their jobs due to COVID. And I worked with them on uh, resume review, interview prep. I helped them determine which jobs to apply to. And the bar they set for themselves about what kind of knowledge was required to fulfill any kind of subject was just unnecessarily high. So we're holding ourselves to these unnecessarily high standards. And then it's reflected in our attitude. It's reflected in our confidence when we talk about our skills. So for example, if I'm concerned, I may not have had enough digital marketing, marketing experience. Then when the interviewer asks, that's, I've internalized that, right? I created that for myself. And then the, the interviewer asks me about my digital marketing experience. And you can tell that I lack confidence. So then the interviewer says, well, clearly she lacks confidence. She doesn't, she doesn't know enough about this, right? So it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. So how do we help women to have that confidence that they need to have? 
so that they can successfully compete for the positions that are available today. Yeah. So I think, frankly, and again, this is kind of from my sales training, the more we role play, the more we practice so that we go on autopilot, the better, right? Um, if you go in with your script and you know exactly what to say, you won't you will be less nervous, you'll be less concerned. And I think really, again, kind of thinking about it like from a sales perspective, where you're, if you're trying to be in the mind of the interviewer and what their expectations are, what would they want to hear, right? And you go in and you tell them what they would want to hear. And don't be worried about whether you can live up to everything you're saying, because I'm pretty confident you can, and you should be too. Is there something that you you can think of that I, I mean, one of the things that you told me was that women still disproportionately struggle with the imposter syndrome. No so question. Yeah. What do we need to do to help women move beyond those feelings of inadequacy? Man, it's a good um, question. I'll tell you a story that um, I, doesn't answer your question, but it's one of my favorite stories to tell. So here we go. Um, I was a summer intern a long time ago at Goldman Sachs. And they used they would they used this fable and they still apparently use it, which is that if somebody stood in front of an auditorium full of men and women and said, Who here knows something about breastfeeding? All the men's hands would shoot up, right? They'd say, <laughs> I, you're asking me if I know something about breast I know something. I've never done it, but I've seen somebody done it or I know it exists or I like I know I know if you ask me to tell you if I know something about breastfeeding, I know something about breastfeeding. And all the women would be hesitant and terrified and say, I don't know, I'm not a lactation consultant. I've only had two kids. I'm a doula. I don't know if I can be the one to speak as a subject matter expert on this. And I think it's so important when I tell the story, There's no, this is not a knock on men. It is this ridiculous standard. Like when, how much do we need to know about a subject to speak about it? And we hold ourselves to such a high standards because we're terrified of making mistakes. And I know, by the way, I, I, am, I live in fear of mistakes. Believe me, uh, they keep me up at night. But we ha- I think what we have to release ourselves from this fear of mistakes. And frankly, one of the best ways to do it is just to go out and make a lot of mistakes and um, kind of dance, dance on the edge of this. And so, okay, so I say I know something about a subject that I may not know a ton about. And was that okay? And I was okay. And I survived that. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Um, Because what's happening is our own fear of making mistakes or not knowing the answer is keeping us out of opportunities. Hmm. So fear of making mistakes, that's a new one. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not new, but it's, it's, it's not one of those things that has FOMO or, or, uh, initials behind it. Anyway, how can we as business leaders and workers at all levels have the greatest impact on this whole big issue of gender ageism? Yeah. I mean, I thought a lot of what Bonnie was saying about the financial business case is really important. You know, I'm a pragmatist. And while there is certainly a human rights issue here at play and an equality and a fairness issue at play, really, companies were not put on earth to advance human rights. They are put on earth to increase shareholder equity, right? And great news, diversity, gender diversity, racial diversity, age diversity does, in fact, is proven over and over again that it helps impact profitability, it helps impact innovation, it 
impact collaboration. And so I think that we need to frame our conversations that way. And I do all the time. Uh, you know, I, I tongue in cheek say often when I, when I speak that, you know, listen, only the companies that want to improve financial performance should invest in, in gender diversity. Only them, right? <laughs> right. Which, if a, an organization doesn't want to improve its financial performance, it probably shouldn't be in business, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been really terrific, Romy. Really thank appreciate you. it. Back thank to you, Al. Thank you, um, Romy, and thank you, Joyce, for, for some great information. Um, I wanted to wrap up here and um, kind of see what the, the takeaways are from for myself and for you, Joyce. So with, with Bonnie, really a very, very enlightening conversation. Um, and it's, she said something to me, and we, we just had this conversation a couple of days ago when we I, I enjoy a good comedian. And we came to this realization that you can't really make fun anymore. You can't really tell jokes about a lot of things anymore because they're just politically incorrect. But what's really strange is they still make jokes about age. Mm -hmm. And that still just seems very so it's really an interesting observation. Kind of that came back as we were as we were talking about that today, kind of popped in my head again. But for me, really the the takeaways from Bonnie are for the individual. Really, like you know, it's very important. It's key to know what your value is as as you go into this, but also understand what are the trends, what are the things I still need to learn, what are the gaps, and really train yourself to start filling those gaps. And one of my favorite things, um, kind of a new thing that I've learned on the college day too, is you know, create a visibility plan. You know, how are you going okay. to advocate for yourself? You know, within the company. And and Romy, if you listen back, gave some really great examples of that. But then also for the company, for the for the organization on the other side is really, you know, kind of looking at your policies. Do you have unintentional agent gender bias? You know, do you, you may not know it. Just go look at what your policies are. But then also what I think is really key is understanding your own, because that may just, you know, reflect on your decision making process without even realizing it. And then also play a role in highlighting people within your organization who are more experienced, who, who are who women, who are older women, I think as, as, as Bonnie said, so start highlighting those people amongst their peers as well. So those are the, the takeaways I got from Bonnie, which, was, which were great. So thanks, Bonnie, for being here and sharing that with us. So what was yours with, with Romy? What were yours with Romy? So, so my first one was, because this is what she said, know your value. But she added, she went a little further and she said, know how to communicate your value, which is similar to Bonnie's visibility plan, right? Correct. Similar. She also talked about the fact that many women hold themselves to unrealistic standards. And we need to uh, perhaps... Uh, attenuate the level uh, of expectation. <laughs> you know, we're we're not super women. It's it's okay to be uh, a human being in that regard. Uh, that one of the things that can really make a difference is to create a script and then practice. Whether you're going into a situation where you're asking for more money or whether you're applying for a new position, or 
even just a promotion within your organization, scripting it and practicing can make a big difference for women in helping them to feel that sense of confidence. And then finally, she suggested that organizations prioritize gender and age diversity. And I think that's great advice. Thank you. And I agree with you on that one. So thanks, Romy, for sharing that as well. So at the end of your show, as you may know, we always try to recognize someone who has or is making a positive difference in the lives of many. So today we're actually honoring someone posthumously. Um, this story came to mind, uh, came to my attention actually a couple of weeks ago, and it kind of struck a chord. It didn't kind of, it struck a chord. And it was suggested by one of our previous guests and in Gomo coach, uh, Sophia Bazil. She sent me The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Never heard of this. And um, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite a moving story. So today we want to honor Henrietta Lacks. So if you haven't heard of this, she was a descendant of enslaved Africans. She was a poor uh, Southern tobacco farmer and mother of five children. And in 1951, and she was 31 at the time, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer and admitted to what they then called the colored ward of the Johns, at Johns Hopkins Hospital. And unfortunately, she died you know, a few months later. Um, and as the title of the book really suggests here, she really has proven to be immortal. So what happened is they took cells of her at the hospital without her knowledge, and they found they were the first human cells that can replicate in the, indefinitely under very specific conditions. And those cells have been vital uh, to substantial, really medical advantages, uh, or advances like poli the polio vaccine, cancer treatment, in vitro fertilization, and more. Sure. So it was amazing. So their discovery, you know, really um, significantly reduced the need for testing on human subjects and so on. So, you know, her family didn't learn of this until 20 years later until somebody reached out to them saying that they were using this biological data without their consent. And so she was just living the life she was doing, being a very challenging life. But, you know, unfortunately, as soon as she got sick, she succumbed to her disease. But really, she never had an idea how many lives she would positively affect and save, really, by having those, um, by having those cells available. So today, that story was really moving to me. Um, I, she's, she's been recognized in the last decade. You know that that mistake has um, has come to light, not fixed, but obviously people have been and been been talking about it. And so it really struck a chord with me. So today we want to share our appreciations with the immortal Henrietta Lacks. Thank you, Henrietta. So if you know someone who is making a positive difference or has made a positive difference, please let us know. We'd love to share it in our conversation here. Send us a note to news at ingomo.com. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank our guest, Bonnie Marcus and Romy Newman. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. And my co-host is always, Joyce Joya, for being here today. Thank you for listening. And we hope to see you on July 28th when we'll be talking about parenting. Again, at 2 p.m. Mountain Time for our next show. So let's go make a positive difference in the world. And be more within Gomu. <laughs> thank you, Joyce.